This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. Hello, this is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we have a special edition podcast. Our guest is Dr. John Showalter, Chief Product Officer at Linus Health. Modern Healthcare has named Dr. Showalter as a top 25 innovator in population health. And he's here today to talk about early detection of dementia, new cognitive assessment approaches. Now, before we go to that conversation, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference. During our premier spring event, Attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. You're going to want to go to mgma.com mpe23 to learn more and register today for this event, which will be held March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Now to our conversation with Dr. John Showalter. Well, Dr. Showalter, thank you so much for joining us on the MGMA Business Solutions Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Daniel, for for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about the discussion. All right. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, you are currently Chief Product Officer at Linus Health. Tell our listeners a little bit about that organization and, and what your focus is there. Sure. So uh, Linus Health is very much a mission-driven organization around brain health. Uh, we provide uh, digital cognitive assessments and additional tools for uh, physicians, particularly primary care, uh, to use to identify uh, individuals with, with brain health issues, uh, MCI, um, early dementia, and, and help them get lifestyle care uh, to improve their outcomes as well as, you know, clinical pathways to get accurate diagnoses. Uh, my role there, uh, I'm the, the chief product officer. So I oversee the medical team, the analytics team, and our product team uh, to make sure that we are bringing the most value to the clinicians we're working with. All right. Um, I ran across something and doing a little research before talking with you. I found out that uh, Modern Healthcare has named you as a top 25 innovator in population health. First of all, congratulations on that honor. Uh, thank you. And uh, I was very excited when that when that happened. It was a great project. Were you surprised? Did you know that honor could be coming your way or uh, what was what was the outcome there? Uh, actually, it, it was it was a total surprise. Um, uh, at the time, I was working for a a clinical AI company. Uh, it was right at the start of of the COVID pandemic, and you know we knew coming out of the H one N one pandemic there was a lot of health disparities 
that different communities experience the pandemic very differently. Uh, and you know, I led an effort to generate a, a national map um, that got down to the block group level uh, and uh, identified the, the the demographics and equity risks uh, with regard to, to poor outcomes from the pandemic. Uh, it got over two million hits uh, and uses. It got used. It got used by every uh, branch of the military, the CDC, uh, uh, several state departments of health. Uh, so it was. Uh, this huge explosion because uh, you know we, we we put it out there. Um, we did almost no advertising for it, and, and within the first week, we had over a, a million uses of the of the application. That is absolutely remarkable. Other than just the absolute, as you use the term, explosion, the adoption, um, the click throughs on that application. What else surprised you just about the data, the kind of work you were doing? Uh, what really surprised us, you know, that this kind of work had been done on the county level before, but we were able to, to you know, with, with AI and, you know, imputing gradations at the, at the block group level, uh, actually identify these pockets of, of risk uh, in counties that were considered otherwise, you know, pretty well off. Uh, but, you know, single block groups that, that really, you know, showed that they were going to struggle. Um, it was further validated by people that were using it and doing outreach uh, that, that those block groups did have worse outcomes um, and, and needed more intervention. But it was, it was shocking um, to me that once we got to that level of granularity, the number of, of pockets that were being missed uh, by county level analysis. Okay. I want to ask you one more question about this because you you have that MD to your name. I mean, you spent a lot of time in uh, the medical field as a clinician, um, but now I mean, a lot of people know you as an innovator, as a as a product uh, innovator as well. Where did that that kind of switch flip for you? Were you always an innovator, even when you were in med school as well? Or where, where, is that something in your DNA there where you kind of think outside the box as well? Uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with, with, with my training. Uh, so I started as a biomedical engineer that went to medical school. Mm -hmm. uh, during my fourth year of medical school, I was, I was involved like an elbow to elbow support with one of the first um, Cerner implementations of computerized physician order entry, CPOE. Uh, and then I um, went from there into a, a fellowship uh, and combined internal medicine, medical informatics fellowship. So I, I also have a, a master's in information systems um, that I got while I was doing my residency. Uh, so I've been at this intersection of, of, of technology and and healthcare like the, the entire time. Okay, that is so cool. Well, thank you for all the work you're doing on both sides uh, of the business, healthcare world there. So much appreciated. So you and I are talking in December. Um, you are going to be making a presentation soon on the early detection of dementia, new cognitive assessment approaches. We're partnering together. MGMA is going to host that presentation. I'm going to be on there with you. Um, and I'm going to supply a direct link for our listeners who want to access this event on demand. But uh, give us the elevator pitch for this program. What's it about? Sure. So, so this program is really, you know, uh, about having 
the, the scientists that are doing the work, you know, present the effectiveness of of digital cognitive assessments at the ability to detect uh, dementia, uh, mild cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's, um, and then you know explaining what what impact that could have in in clinical practice, um, especially in a a day and age where we're getting you know more and more evidence that you can intervene and improve the trajectory of people with uh, with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, uh, but. The, the webinar is a, you know, a focus on the new tools and the the validation that's been going on uh, in academic centers around it. Okay, thank you for that. And I wanted to let everybody know, I'm gonna provide a couple of uh, links as well to some of those tools and resources that Dr. Showalter is talking about. So you and I were sending back some emails and one of the things that caught my attention was you said there've been some major discoveries this past year in Alzheimer's research. Alzheimer's is something that touches millions of Americans, either uh, you know, physically in their lives or in their families, people they care about. Touch me with a grandparent many years ago, uh, still resonates with me. So I'm very interested in hearing about that research. What can you share uh, about that? Yeah, and I think there, there, there's big categories of of advancements. The first has been in the lifestyle management. Uh, so about, uh, you know, two years ago, there was a study out of um, uh, Finland, the, the, the finger study that showed a 30% decrease in the progression to dementia with, with lifestyle improvements. Um, similar studies, now the SMART study and the EXERT study have been uh, repeated in the U.S. Uh, and, and shown benefit, uh, again, with regard to declining brain health and, and brain function in those conditions. So we, we have, you know, data that came out at the CTAD, the Clinical Trials for Alzheimer's Disease Conference, uh, that, you know, has replicated the, the impact of lifestyle changes and exercise uh, on presenting the decline, which, you know, to me, uh, you know, it's not a, not a consensus opinion, but my opinion is, uh, substantial evidence for a primary care doc to say, yes, we can intervene and, and slow down the progression of this disease. Mm -hmm. uh, the second uh, is the uh, clinical trial uh, readout on lecanemab and its effect um, as an anti-amyloid antibody on, on clearing amyloid plaques uh, and uh, showing, uh, again, delayed progression uh, to, to worsening uh, brain health uh, and some, you know, uh, clinical improvement in, in function uh, in, in that uh, trial as well. Uh, so we have, you know, lifestyle, you know, clear lifestyle pushes, potential, you know, therapeutics, the, you know, um, the FDA is going to make its decision soon on, on approval. And then the third category is uh, the digital cognitive assessments and a lot of what's going to be on, on the webinar uh, around uh, their ability to not only uh, detect uh, MCI and, and early dementia, but also their correlation with brain structure, brain function, uh, and, and subcategories of, of dementia. Uh, so the combination of early detection and, and rapid, easy early detection, something that a primary care doc could actually execute and something to do about it is a huge step forward uh, in the last year. And there's been you know, multiple papers, multiple presentations in those areas. Okay. I want to ask you one follow-up question on that. This may be something 
in your field or that you guys are studying as well. I was just reading a, you know, just a pop culture uh, article and it popped up that the uh, actor Chris Hemsworth that um, portrays Thor, he had done some genetic testing and it saw that he had some, uh, some strands of some different things that alluded to that he, he may be uh, have a predisposition to have, Alzheimer's down the road at some time. Is that something that was even on your radar? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So the the uh, APOE4 um, homozygous or, or heterozygous. So you know, do you do you have one copy of the right of the mutation or two copies of the mutation? You know that those subgroups are being you know studied um, as well, mm-hmm. and the the you know, there's still some subgroup analysis being done on. You know, is the positive benefit the same across all of those categories? Uh, but all of those categories have shown positive benefits. Okay. So uh, you know, uh, depending on the study and the subgroup, because the numbers are, are are not that high in any of these studies to to really dig in. Um, but regardless of the status, there is is a positive trend um, towards improvement with. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise and with at least with um lecanemab as a as an anti-amyloid okay well in, in chris hemsworth's case he's on some show right now where he's doing the most extreme exercising so maybe that's gonna help him i don't know but uh, good luck to him and thank you for you know fleshing that out for me and let, letting our listeners know more about that because again so many of us have been touched by Alzheimer's and dementia in, in our families, uh, me included with a grandfather. So um, thank you for sharing that. I did want to ask um, if that demand for early screening looks like it's on the increase, um, what do physicians need to be able to do to accommodate this? We already know there's incredible overwhelm right now, staffing shortages. So how can they prepare and be strategic to be able to help patients as best as possible? Yeah, I mean, there was an article out over the summer that said if you added up all of the the things that a primary care doc was supposed to do for their patient panel, it would take 26 hours a day. Uh, so, so they're, 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 you know, they're very overwhelmed. There's a lot of, a lot of preventative care, a lot of care coordination um, that we're asking primary care docs to do. Uh, so if we're going to add an additional uh, screen or detection um, on them, it, it needs to be efficient. Uh, and, and optimally it needs to be able to be done, not by them. You know, so, so right now the kind of gold standard for, for screening is a, a mini mental static exam or, or a MOCA, those take 10 to 15 minutes, um, have to be done by a trained rater, which is generally the the physician themselves or the nurse practitioner themselves. Uh, so tools that can reduce that time are key. Uh, and, you know, optimally tools that, that can remove that, that extra work from the uh, provider uh, and, and, and have it able to, do, to be done by uh, by the MA or, or by the nurse and by the larger care team and actually bringing the full care team to bear uh, to execute it because about it's estimated about half of that 26 hours uh, could actually be done by the care team and not mm-hmm. by the provider. Uh, and then enabling that care team, I think, is, is one of the, the, the critical pathways uh, to, to really enabling uh, physicians and, and primary care. Uh, I think the other issue... Uh, 
for physicians beyond primary care is education. There's a a lot coming, right? So there's, uh, you know, multiple drug trials that are going to be reporting out this year. There's CMS determinations. There's CMS determinations about PET scans and reimbursement, you know, reimbursements for things like digital cognitive assessments. And just this is a rapidly moving and developing field of medicine. And I think it's going to be important for organizations and practices and, and systems to uh, have somebody that, that's really looking at this, compiling the information and getting it out to their to their staff and, and physicians, you know, much like MGMA is doing with mm -hmm. the webinar. Um, I think that's going to be a, a key piece to, to success uh, over the next 12 to 24 months, just because there's going to be a lot more information coming out as you know, more lifestyle clinical trials close, more drug clinical trials close, and and more research more research is done on on these digital assessments. Okay. When we're looking at early detection, um, I wanted to just branch out a little bit into those pretty. Uh, full disclosure: I've been watching the World Cup, and I'm seeing all of the 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 head usage <laughs> with with them hitting the ball with them actually going toward the ball hitting you know slamming heads together I've seen it a lot in football as well we saw it with uh Tua the quarterback from Miami earlier this year with a really one of the most frightening things I've ever seen in a in a football game where his arms his hands actually were curling up on uh the field there when we're talking about early detection when you get right into the head trauma side of it, how, how quickly do we need to get there, get that help for that patient, and how can that help them down the road as well? Yeah, no, there, there was actually a, a very interesting article that it was just, I think, published two weeks ago um, out of Scotland looking at, at footballers, so mm -hmm. soccer players. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for them, where they showed that they had better cognitive function in in their 40s and early 50s and and a, and a more rapid decline in their 60s hmm. where they were looking at you know the lifestyle benefits the exercise benefits were outweighing the the head trauma um in their 40s and that benefit you know began to wear off as they got into their their 60s and 70s and and presented this you know need for subtle determination of of cognitive impairment, you know, really understanding, you know, what, what is the impact of, of that concussion, that head trauma, the, re, the, the repeated um, heading of, of the football, because it does look like it has long-term impacts, um, at least in that study, uh, you know, at, after 60, uh, but is masked by their, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle prior to that, you know, so if you're testing their cognitive ability at 45, they look really good. Um, but are you looking for the subtle signs of impact that's coming from the, uh, the repeated head trauma and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they didn't have that answer, but that call for, you know, more subtle tracking and then getting to, uh, increasing, uh, detail, you know, and we would, uh, we would argue that the, from, from the Linus perspective, that, that the process piece, you know, not just the final aspect, but, you know, looking in depth at, you know, how long did it take you to draw the circle if you're drawing a clock on a clock test? What was what was the actual pauses by word down to like the tenth of the second? 
um, you know, those subtle process pieces, especially when they're compared to an individual's baseline, you know, show show differences. Uh, and I think um, one man's one primary care physician's opinion uh, is that they need to move to much more sensitive markers, not just like, can you do the whole thing and how did you score? But, you know, compared to your baseline, are you drawing a clock slower would be a subtle indication of whether or not they're actually healthy and, and, and ready to go and, and whether or not they had an immediate impact because the literature at least suggests if you're doing gross measurements of, uh, of mental ability, those athletes are doing really well. Mm-hmm. That, that is fascinating. And that's something to continue to watch and monitor. So I did want to give you one opportunity here for a final question. Are there resources, are there tools that you can share with our listeners? You and I have talked about several of them. I want to put them in the episode show notes so um, our listeners can access that, can uh, read that information, go through any tools as well. Uh, what's out there that you would provide for us? Yeah, so I think there's there, there's two big resources. Um, one is at linushealth.com. Uh, we do have a resource page, uh, a library where you can dig into white papers, webinars, uh, you know, links to, to the, the basic science journal articles, uh, and, and also the uh, the webinar uh, that, that we're going to do with MGMA, where we're having uh, two academic researchers come in and really talk about, you know, A, the process approach of, of cognitive assessment, uh, which, you know, we, we know is important in the MCI dementia uh, and some reasonable suspicion. Uh, that it's important on the on the head trauma side, the the concussion, uh, and also um, some really detailed information about uh, the specific uh, correlation between brain function and and brain structure and elements of of the clock drawing test, uh, and I think that combination of the, the Linus Health resource page and the webinar, which is coming, you know, directly from the researchers that did the work uh, would give the listeners a, a great inroad into the topic. That's great information, Dr. Showalter. And I will provide that link just so everyone knows that webinar will be on demand when this podcast airs and it's free and it's available for continuing education credits. So I'll be sure and provide a direct link to that for anybody to access it that wants to. Dr. Showalter, again, it's been great getting to know you and learn about this uh, information from you. Thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. Uh, Daniel, thank you for having me on the, on the show and it's been a great discussion. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. John Showalter of Linus Health. Also, we'd like to thank MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. During our premier spring event, the 2023 MPE Financial and Operations Conference, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. You can join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Go to mgma.com mpe23 to learn more and to register today. And if you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. 
And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com analytics today.